everybody. Good morning. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my joy to welcome you as we wrap up our series called Hero Maker. Now that clip from the Spider-Man movie, that, this is Peter Parker. He, just, he had just discovered that he has some pretty cool superpowers. But he just doesn't know why he has those powers. And so he's wanting to use his newfound abilities. He wants to use these powers like to make some money, to get a car, to get a girl. And so here's what he does. He lies to his Uncle Ben, tells him he needs a ride to the library where he's really going, he's actually going to fight for, for the money. And so here's what happens. When, when Ben pulls up, his Uncle Ben kind of plants the seed that he will need later to fulfill the call of greatness on his life. And his Uncle Ben says these words printed on the top of your outline. We actually have an outline for today's message. It's a light-colored sheet found in your program. Let me encourage you to take this out and use it to follow along. And this is right at the moment where Uncle Ben says these famous words, and you know him when he says, this is what he says, with great power comes what? great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. Well, at this point, Peter, he's not thinking responsible superhero thoughts. He's thinking selfish teenager thoughts. And so when he said in the clip, I missed the part where that's my problem, well, it actually does become his problem very quickly. Because in the very next scene, he discovers that the thief that he let get away is actually the one who shot and killed his uncle Ben. And it's out of this pain and out of this loss that Peter Parker discovers his ultimate purpose and he answers his call to greatness, his call to become a superhero. Well, do you know in the Bible there's another Peter? And he's pretty super. He's the apostle Peter. And I think he really captures what we've covered in our series to this point. Because I want you to see what, what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. It says these words. It starts out and says, instead, like, like instead of what? Instead of thinking that your powers and abilities and resources are to be used just so you can get stuff and get ahead in life, instead, you must what? Worship Christ as Lord. Worship Christ as like make Jesus your ultimate superhero that's what we talked about in our first message because jesus he has supreme power he has supreme goodness he made the supreme sacrifice and so we encourage you in that first message make jesus your ultimate superhero of your soul worship christ as lord of your life and then the verse continues it says and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer always be ready to explain it but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Now, would you underline the phrase, always be ready? What does that mean? It means to be on mission, to be, to be ready to what we talked about in our second message, the, the mission of a hero maker, always be ready to make disciples, to make followers, to share God's love, his message. Friends, and that's why this message today is so important because we have to be clear on why we're here. Why are you here on this planet? Why are we here as a church? We have been called like Jesus gave us one task, one mission to make disciples. There, another way of saying that is Jesus called us to go to heaven and take as many people with us as possible. And it says, always be ready. Live life 
on mission. And just like Spider-Man, I want to be here to tell you, do you know that as you sit, that you have some powers, you have some abilities, some resources, some talents, and God wants to, you to use those on mission for him. Do you know one day when you get to heaven, I promise you, God will never ask you like, like hey, tell me, how much money did you make? Or, or hey, I, I want to ask you, how big's your house? Or hey, I'm curious, what kind of car did you drive? I promise you, God will not ask you those questions. Here's what God will ask you. He'll welcome you into heaven. He'll say, I'm so glad you trusted my son Jesus to be your savior. Welcome home to heaven. So here's my question for you. How many people did you bring with you? How many did you bring? And the cool thing about this is, do you know that God actually gives you the power to bring people with you? Did you know that? Look at what the Bible says in Acts chapter 1-8, where it says, but you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. See, when you make Jesus your ultimate superhero, when you ask Jesus to save you and be your Lord, he actually comes to live in your life and he gives you the power of the Holy Spirit. But can I tell you, it's power with a purpose. Like he gives you this power with a purpose to be his witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. See, the Bible says that God will give you superpowers so that you can help him in his mission to save the world. Well, today, that's message one and two. Today, I have the honor of wrapping up this series with message three, and our message is answering God's call. But I want you to write this down because I want you to understand God's call is a call to greatness, a call to greatness. Did you know as you sit here this morning that God has a great call on your life? Do you know that you were made for a mission? And his call in your life is to be great for him. I want you to think about it. All throughout the, the time of history, how many people have you seen live great lives for God? Like who do you know? Maybe a person in history, maybe a Bible character, maybe someone you know personally. But if, you, if you're thinking, who is great for God? Like, who comes to mind for you? You might jot their name down on your paper somewhere. Who comes to mind? Maybe for some of you, you would think of Billy Graham. I mean, think about it. Billy Graham, for over seven decades, man, he preached and he led millions of people to become followers of Jesus. Seven decades, never a scandal. Or maybe some of you, maybe you wrote Mother Teresa. One of the greatest examples of God's compassion as she cared for those in sickness and poverty. In fact, did you know one, one time, true story of Mother Teresa, she was in the gutters of Calcutta and she was washing the wounds of a leper. Well, she was being followed by a reporter and the reporter looked at that and said to Mother Teresa, you know, I, I wouldn't do what you do even if they paid me $100,000. Mother Teresa said, I wouldn't do it either but I'll do this for the love of God. I mean, she was great for God. Or maybe for some of you, maybe you thought of C.S. Lewis, the great literary genius who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and the Screwtape Letters and A Grief Observed and Mere Christianity. He wrote books that use reason and logic to help millions overcome intellectual barriers to become Christ followers. And of course, I'm sure many of us thought of one of the greatest ever, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., 
Do you know many people, they don't give credit to God for, for the impact of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. But do you know he was a pastor? He was a reverend. And he would be the first to tell you that his famous I have a dream speech was really, he'd give credit to God. He'd say that was God's dream of how God wants us to look at one another. And he was great for God because God used him to do more for civil rights and racial equality than any person in our lifetime. So you think of those guys, or maybe, you know, if you know the Bible, maybe you wrote some Bible characters like Moses, who led God's people out of slavery to Egypt, and he was known as a friend of God. Or maybe you thought of King David, who went from a shepherd to a soldier to a king, and he was called a man after God's own heart. Or maybe the Apostle Paul. I kind of like his name. He's a good guy, right? The Apostle Paul, he started out as a killer of Christians. But then he had this life-changing encounter with Jesus. And he became a preacher and a church planter and a missionary. And he wrote over half the New Testament. You know, there's one other Bible character I'd like you to think of this morning. Ladies, you know, there's this lady who was great for God. And her name was Esther. Do you know her? One of the most amazing stories in the Bible, Esther went from an orphan to an adopted slave girl to this place of power and prominence in the king's palace. She became king, and she had an uncle in her life who was a lot like Uncle Ben. She had this uncle named Mordecai, and Mordecai reminded Esther that with great power comes great responsibility. You see, God gave Esther this position of power. And told her, you are here for such a time as this to save the people of your generation. And friends, Esther became great for God when she put it all on the line. See, even though it was the death penalty to appear before the king uninvited, I want you to see what it says in the Bible in Esther chapter 4. Verses 13 through 17, Mordecai tells Esther, if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. But who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And Esther responded, I'll go to the king, and even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Do you see it, friends? It was her moment of greatness. She stepped up to the call, and she said, if I perish, I perish. And God, answered, God used her to save her people. Now let's bring it back all the way from Billy Graham, all the way to Esther. Let's bring it back to you and me and your life right here in 2019. Let me ask you this question. Are you living to be great for God? Are you living to be great for God? Do you realize that God has placed you on this planet in a position of power and privilege? In fact, friends, the truth is you, you live better than the kings and queens did only 100 years ago. You have more advantages in your life, more blessings, more prosperity than kings of only 100 years ago. And God has placed you in this generation for such a time as this, to be a part of his mission to save people, to be great for God. Friends, it kind of makes me think of this, this amazing quote from the movie Aquila and the Bee. Have you seen it? 
there's this movie, Keila has this superpower. She has this ability to spell really hard words. But she's afraid uh, to, to do the B. And so her coach has her read this great quote from Marianne Williamson. And I want you to check it out. It says, our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. We ask ourselves, who am I to be gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And if we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give permission to others to do the same. Friends, do you understand that God brought you here today? That today is your call to greatness? And I want to be clear because every person I mentioned, from Billy Graham all the way to Esther, one of the things that they all shared in common is they all understood what true greatness really means. They understood greatness from God's perspective. Do you, know, do you know that one time Jesus made a distinction between how the world defines greatness and how God defines greatness? Because in the world, in fact, you watch, you watch the Grammys tonight. You see all these great superstars. The world defines greatness as, as power and position and popularity. And they power up with their greatness and they have all these other people bow down to them and serve them. And they think that's so great. But when Jesus talked about greatness, I want you to look at what he said in Mark chapter 10, verses 43 and 44 on your outline. Jesus said, hey, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must what? Be your servant. Underline that phrase. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. You see, Jesus gave us God's perspective. Like he redefined greatness, that greatness equals servanthood. Greatness equals servanthood. Do you know God's call of greatness on your life, on my life? It's always connected to serving God by using your superpowers to serve others. Friends, that's great. Let me say that again. It's serving God by using your superpowers to serve others. That is true greatness. And, and I don't know if you've ever had a taste of that. I, I remember my first taste of greatness came when I was 17 years old. I was a brand new Christian and I was praying. I wanted God to use my life for great things. And one day I was out washing my car. And I'm washing my car. And while I'm doing that, I'm praying. And I'm talking to God, I love you, I want to live for you, I want you to use me to do great things, I want to, and I'm praying, and for one of the very first times, like, God spoke to me. Like, not, like, I didn't hear a voice from heaven, but in my heart, I felt like I'm telling God I want to be great, and then God says, okay, you want to be great? Wash Andy's windshield. Like, I mean, I heard that in my heart. Now, you, you got to understand that, I mean, I looked over, this, this truck next to me belonged to my neighbor, Andy Rodriguez. And you got to understand, Andy's this big Mexican dude. And like every Friday night, Andy would sit on the tailgate of his truck. He'd drink a case of beer. He'd crank his loud Mexican music. And I got to be honest, the guy kind of scared me, to be honest. <laughs> 17 years old, I'm wired, and I hear God say, wash Andy's windshield. I'm saying, uh, you know, God, I mean, don't you want me like 
aren't you like, wouldn't you rather me like just go to church, maybe sing some praise songs, you know, to wash Andy's windshield. Now you guys, can I tell you, his truck was so big, the only way I could wash his windshield is I'd have to crawl on the hood of his truck. And I'm looking around, I said, okay, God, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it quick. I jumped out of his truck with my Windex and my paper towels. I'm cleaning his windshield when I hear the door slam behind me. And I hear this voice, Andy's voice. Hey, what are you doing on my truck? And I'm thinking, you know, oh God, I'm dead. I'm dead now. And I turn around, I don't know what to say. I turn around and, and I just face him. I, I say, uh, I, I'm washing your windshield for you. And man, his face just turns red. Like, I, I think he's like really furious. In fact, he's so mad, he turns his back around. He puts his head down. And I'm, now I really am praying. Like, God, don't let him kill me. And when he turns around, it's like his eyes are just filled with tears. And he says these words. He says, I have to yell and scream at my son to get him to do anything for me. And you wash my windshield without even being asked? What's up with that? Do you know, in that moment, God opened this door for me to share my faith in Christ. And we sat on his, uh, you know, we sat on his truck tailgate. And that was the day that Andy went from this big, scary Mexican man to my friend. And man, I got to taste it. Greatness. And I felt great for God. Friends, now here's the cool part. You know, this invitation, this call for greatness, it's not just for me, it's for you, it's for everybody. In fact, I, I want you to, to, to check this out. This is so cool. Now, in Crossroads, we want this to be a place that when you come, you get lifted up, you get inspired. I never want to be a dream squasher in this place. At the same time, I promise I will always tell you the truth. And so here's the truth, friends. For most of us, for most of us, we're never going to end up with our names in the record book for winning the Super Bowl. We're never going to hit the, the three-point winning buzzer shot in the NBA. Most of us will never receive a Grammy or write a book that will be on the New York Times best-selling list. By the world's standards, I don't know if anyone here will ever achieve worldly greatness. But I'll tell you the truth. You can be great. You can be great for God. I think Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said it well when he said these words. Everybody can be great because everybody can what? Can serve. Can serve. In fact, our superhero Peter, he echoed those words in 1 Peter 4.10. He said, each of you should use whatever gift, power, talent, resource you have, you've received to what? Serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, maybe you've never considered this. Maybe you just never thought, you know, Pastor Paul, to be honest, I'm just trying to make it through life. I'm just trying to get through the day, the week, the month. And if I get ahead, if I get some money or a job or something, I'm just trying to make my life a little better and find a little bit of happiness in this life. 
but I'll never be a hero. I'll never be great in this life. And I want to tell you, if you've ever felt that way, I'm sure you can relate to Arthur. In the Amazon series called The Tick, a superhero series called The Tick, Arthur is this ordinary, everyday guy who meets a superhero called The Tick. And The Tick is trying to help Arthur to see himself in a new light, to see himself for the hero he's meant to be. And I don't want to tick you off, but I do want to tell you, friends, you're not an accident. God made you with a mission, and he made you for more than just living and dying and trying to get through the day. He's placed a call on your life. The question is, will you answer his call to greatness? You have to decide. In fact, if you turn your outline over, I think the parable of the talents is all about the decision you'll make to answer God's call. Now, in the parable of the talents, Jesus used parables. Like he'd tell these, heavenly sto- these earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Like he'd use things that everybody could relate to in everyday life to make a spiritual point. And so Jesus tells this parable of the talents. But before I share it with you, I want you to understand how it works. In this story, the master is God. The servants are you and me. And the talents are not just money, but they're the resources and gifts and abilities and how you spend your life. Those are the talents. And Jesus starts this story by saying the kingdom of heaven, that's the spiritual point, the kingdom of heaven is like a master. It's like God going away on a long trip. So he entrusts to his servants to you and me, his resources to do his work. And then the parable picks up on your outline and says this. To one of his servants, he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, each according to his own ability. And to make the point, God doesn't give everyone the same amount of talents. We're all different. We all have different abilities, but he's given everybody something. And so he gives these talents and it says, he went away on his journey. Immediately, the one who received the five talents, he went, like he went to work. He got, he got busy. He took action. He invested his master's money, and he gained five more. And the one who received two talents, he did the exact same thing. He got busy, got to work. He took action, and he made two, two more. But the one who received one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground, and hid hid the master's money, the master's town in the ground. It says, now after a long time, the master came and settled accounts with them. Would you underline that phrase, came and settled accounts with them? Because friends, this this parable tells us that one day, our master, our hero, Jesus promised he's going to come back. And when he comes back, friends, that's judgment day where we will be held accountable on how we spent our life, our talents, our resources, our abilities. There will be a day of judgment where we're held accountable. In fact, there's a famous saying that goes like this. Your life is a gift from God. What you do with that life is your gift back to him. And you're accountable for how you spend your one and only life. And so this is the day of judgment, and this is how it goes down. Let's continue. The master said to the first two servants, the one who doubled the investment, 
He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so I'll give you many more responsibilities. Hey, let's celebrate together. Do you see what happened in that judgment? Three things happened. Write this down. First thing that the master did was there was this moment of praise. Well done. Good and faithful. So you did it. I'm proud of you. Well done. Moment of praise. Then there was a promotion, right? You see it? Hey, you've been faithful with this little amount. I'm going to give you more. I'm going to promote you. There was praise. There was promotion. And then there was a party. Like, hey, man, this is so awesome. Let's celebrate. Let's party. And friend, on judgment day, isn't that what you want to happen? Don't you want to hear your master say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm proud of you. I'm promoting you. Let's celebrate. Let's party. But you know, in that judgment day, there is one more P. And it wasn't very pleasant. There was also a moment of punishment. And I want you to see it as we continue in the story. That the last servant, his moment of judgment came. And he said, I was afraid. So I went away and I hid your talent in the ground. But his master answered and said to him, you wicked, lazy servant. I mean, at least you should have put the money in the bank. At least I could have got some interest from that. Take the one talent away and give it to the one who has ten. And then he said to this, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now will you underline the the phrase, those who do nothing. Those who do nothing. Friends, I want you to think about this moment of judgment. I don't know about you, but I I want the praise and the promotion and the party. I don't want the punishment, and neither do you. Now, if you look at this story and you think, oh, man, that master, he's kind of cold. That's kind of harsh, man. That's a, man, why would he give him such a mean punishment? I was thinking about this, and guys, it kind of made me think about the importance of Valentine's Day. And so, guys, can I just gently remind you, Thursday is Valentine's Day. Don't blow it, right? Don't blow it. So I want you to think of it this way. Say, man, you are passionate, guys, you, you are passionately in love with your girl. And you want, you, you want her to know that she's in your heart, that you love and cherish her. So you go down and you pick out a nice box of chocolates for your girl. And you said, I'm going to surprise her. I'm going to pay to have these delivered. So you go to the post office and you pay the postage and you say, hey, I, they, they have to arrive on Valentine's Day. Can you? Oh, yeah, for sure. They'll be there. And so you're so excited and Valentine's Day comes and, and you're just waiting and the chocolates never show up. Guess what? Your girl, man, she is not happy. Like she's saying, you don't love me. What a jerk. You don't care about me. Valentine's Day, you got me and you're saying, you're trying to say, oh, baby, I love you. Man, honey, really, I bought some chocolates. They were supposed to come. And now you're kind of ticked. And so, man, I'm going down to that post office. I'm going to figure out what happened. And so you start driving down the post office, and you pass the little postal truck, and you see the letter, the mail, the mailman, he's sitting in his little truck, and he has a box of chocolates. And you see him eating the chocolates that you bought 
for your girl. You trusted him to deliver your chocolates. Now, now, let me ask you, how are you going to feel about that guy? What are you going to want to do to that guy? You're going to want to go postal on him, right? You know what I'm saying. You're going to, well, how do you think God feels? Like, look at this slide. Do you know God has a valentine? God has this passionate love for the world. And he wants his valentine to live. He's entrusted us to deliver his heart to the world. But when we come to church and we're all singing our songs and enjoying good fellowship and just eating all the chocolates for ourselves, you know, and when we do nothing to fulfill his mission to save the world, man, God's pretty, he gets pretty upset about that. And that's why at Crossroads, I got to tell you, man, we're serious about his mission, his vision to lead seekers, to love Christ, love others, live life on purpose. That's why next week we're starting our brand new series called Help, I'm a Parent. I want you to notice in the seat back right in front of you, would you pull out this pack? If you're on the front row, there's some there. You know, next week we're doing this series called Help, I'm a Parent. And I want you to know why we're doing this series. Because can I tell you, whether whether you're a Christian or not, whatever religion you are, whatever you believe, there's one thing we all share in common. Man, all parents love their children. They want to be a good parent, and parenting is really hard. And so we're, we're using this series to meet a felt need to kind of build a bridge So when we help families get practical tools on how to be a good parent, we know at the same time they're going to learn they have an awesome father in heaven. And we know many people are going to come to faith in Christ because of it. But friends, for this to happen, for this outreach to happen, can I tell you, I am going to do my very best to be great for God. Man, I'm going to preach my heart out. I'm going to serve my heart out. But can I tell you, church... I need you to be great for God. I need you to be great inviters, friends, neighbors, co-workers. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Take this packet today. Prayer walk your neighborhood. Do you know each packet has about 20 door hangers? Do you know in 15 minutes, you can invite more people to church in 15 minutes than you have all year? If you'll just prayer walk your neck, God bless this home, bless this family, help them know you love them. In 15 minutes, you can invite 20 families to church. I need you to be great inviters. You know, you think of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. You know what? I, I need you to be great parkers. You know what I mean by that? Like, you know, our parking lot is always, we don't have enough parking, right? Some of you, if you're healthy enough and strong enough, I'm asking you, would you park off-site, down the street, down at Safeway to, to make more parking for our guests and build that into your, to be great for God. Like I'm going to serve and sacrifice my parking spot so another person can come hear about Christ. Need you to be great inviters, great parkers. You know, I also need you to be great prayers. You know, our, the only one that can change someone's heart is God himself. And I'm going to ask you, would you be willing to pray every day this week for this outreach and then i need you one last thing i need you to be great participants like i need you to show up and be part of this series especially if you're here and you're single 
and you're not married and you don't have kids or you're thinking, I don't even know if I want to have kids. Can I say something to our singles? I want you to know that here in this family, we love you. You're an important part of this family. And I don't want you to check out or think, oh, that's not for me. I don't. No, we need you here. First of all, I promise you, when we do messages, I, we'll think of you every single week and we'll have practical things for you in this series every single time. But if you can come up with the heart to say, I'm going to worship my God and I'm going to be here to joyfully greet people and participate and be part of what God's doing, God will use that. And then all of us together, will, we get to be great for God and grow this church. In fact, I want to ask you one last thing. I want you to, to see this idea of answering God's call to greatness. But I want to point you to one guy who did that by the name of Isaiah. And I hope he inspires you to answer God's call. Let's read our last passage and then we'll pray. It's from Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. Isaiah writes, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. I think that's significant because whenever you go through a season of loss, you lose a loved one, you lose a job, something breaks in your life, I think a lot of times God uses that to bring clarity on what really matters most. He brings focus back. And this is when Isaiah saw God. And the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne. Attending him were mighty seraphim, like they were these awesome angels that had six wings. In fact, the Bible says with two of those wings, they covered their face. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And they cried out saying this, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Like Isaiah not only saw God, he saw himself. And he knew he was in trouble. He knew that what he really deserved was, was death and hell and punishment. But in that moment of standing before God, a miracle happened. Because God touched him right where he was broken. Look at what it says. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal. See, this has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed. Your sins are forgiven. Like God, instead of punishing him, showed him this amazing grace, just like Jesus did for us. And then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? It was like God saying, I want to deliver my love, my heart, my valentine. Who can I trust to go for me? Who can I send? And after Isaiah experienced such amazing grace from God, Isaiah said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Like, here I am. I'll go. I'll do it. I mean, he answered the call. Well, what about you? You know, what I love about Crossroads is we don't just come and talk about God and go on our merry way. We always say, how can we take God's word and apply it to our lives? So there at the bottom of your outline, look at what it says. I will answer God's call to action by, like, what are you going to do this week to be great for God? Can I make some suggestions? 
Like maybe, like today, you can accept Christ as your superhero and nail that down. Or we're getting ready for our first baptism in 2019. Maybe say, man, no more hiding. I'm going to step up and declare I love Jesus and I will be baptized. You make that choice. Or committing to get a life group or use your gifts to serve. Or one person was like, holy, I'm going to do this. I'll do my door hangers. Like, what are you going to do? Maybe I like the last one, inviting like, who are you going to personally reach out to to say, hey, church is doing this series and they're... That better be Jesus gone on. <laughs> oh, oh man, I am so sorry. Oh my gosh. It's God calling. And I think it's for you. Will you answer the call? Will you answer the call? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you're our ultimate hero. You, you saved the world by saving our lives. You made the supreme sacrifice by your, by your power and goodness. And now we understand that you're calling us to be great for God by using our gifts and talents and abilities to serve you by serving others. And I pray, God, would you grant us the courage to answer that call so that the lost could be found and the church could grow for Jesus' sake. Amen.